Good afternoon and welcome to the Tuesday edition of the Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Knute. Coming up this afternoon, Deborah Hauer with the Canadian Agricultural Human Resource Council will stop by to talk about the current labour shortfall. Up first in today's country comment, we'll discuss the ups and downs of soybean production here in Manitoba. The latest farm news and market numbers all coming up over the next 90 minutes. The time now is 12 o'clock. Here's a look at our local news. Good afternoon, you're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. Terry Buss with Manitoba Agriculture was a guest speaker last week at Steinbach Crop Date. He talked about the ups and downs of soybean production in Manitoba. The big positive for me is what a wonderful crop soybeans has been for us, right? Uh, my community in particular up in Bozizier has, has been transformed by the crop and that's not an exaggeration. It, it's a huge force. And so the crop overall has been a a wild wild success story it's unprecedented in my career so we've done really well with it the the issue is there's there's a honeymoon period and so eventually we're getting i think to the end of that now and to some extent i think acres are starting to perhaps more right size to where they're most appropriate and yeah you also touched on a number of challenges um one of those uh, soybean cyst nematode um can you give us a bit of an overview on on the issues with that? Well, soybean cyst nematodes are roundworms. They, they, the females infect the crop roots. They're basically parasites. And when you're dealing with thousands of them, an individual soybean plant lacks performance and it just drags them down. Um, it's been detected in the province now. It's been detected at sublethal levels. So it's not causing economic damage yet, but it's here. Um, for a number of years now, we've been running around talking about how it's, it's coming. Well, it's here. And so now the big message for us to growers and to agronomists is that we have to start watching vigilantly. The biggest challenge with the roundworm in terms of managing it is that the symptoms that it causes in plants in the field can be easily mistaken for a whole bunch of things. The plants just look less than great. Well, that can be a lot of stuff, right? So looking for the nematodes, digging up roots, that's initially where we have to start. So right now our message is one of vigilance, and, and watching and looking and let's get a handle on how bad it is. The important thing with soybean cyst nematode is we have to be proactive. I talked today about proactive versus curative. We can't wait till we have a massive problem and then you know we're gonna have a, a silver bullet. We have to start looking for it now and we also have to start managing things like crop rotation so that we never have a problem. Another issue touched on, um, IDC. Um, what are some of the concerns there? The big one with IDC I think is uh, looking at soil tests and fields to see what your carbonate levels are, uh, see what your salinity levels are, getting in touch with the fact that in this sort of dry weather where we've been, uh, where we've been evaporating a lot of water, we've been increasing salinity in the rooting zone across all our acres in, in the valley. So we need to be vigilant about looking at what our fields are doing based on our soil tests, making sure we're getting soil tests that provide us the information we need. But the big part of it is then seeing how much of that influences our variety choice. If we've had problems in the past, if we know we have fields that could have problems if the weather isn't, isn't in behaving itself, then we need to choose varieties that have good IDC tolerance. And we have genetic tools to deal with the problem uh, and we have data in the seed guides. So that's a consideration. A lot of the companies are producing varieties that have better and better IDC tolerance. But what can happen is we can really like a variety without ever knowing its IDC tolerance and then all of a sudden we'll have a bad year and then that's when we start looking at well what is its IDC tolerance and it turns out it's susceptible and I hate when people get caught unaware like that.
That was Terry Buss with Manitoba Agriculture speaking last week at Steinbeck Crop Day. A look at what's happening in the markets this afternoon is coming up. Good afternoon, I'm Corey Canute. A recent survey by the Canadian Federation of Independent Business shows the costs associated with the federal carbon tax are taking a real bite out of farmers' bottom lines. Marilyn braun Polin is CFIB's Vice President of Western Canada and Agribusiness. What we have found is that on average farmers uh, estimate they're going to pay almost $14,000 in federal carbon taxes in the first year it applies. That's April 1st, 2019 to March 31st, 2020. So, you know, our data confirms what we've been, uh, what we've known for months, that the federal carbon tax unfairly punishes farmers for using, you know, products for which they have few or no practical alternatives. The CFIB is urging the federal government to exempt natural gas, propane and aviation fuel used for farming. And over the winter, farmers have been busy attending meetings, evaluating last year's harvest and finalizing their spring seeding plans. Nathan Gregg, formerly of PAMI, says it's important to look at your harvest loss, which means collecting the full discharge of the combine. The best way to do that is to remove the chopper and, and have a pan that's big enough to collect the, the full discharge uh, and so we can get a full snapshot of what's really in there and we're not sort of prone to, to some of the, the errors that are possible by doing something as simple as scratching on the dirt or throwing a cookie sheet where we might you know miss more of that loss. He says pushing your speed can come with a cost. That was a look at today's Farm News. I'm Corey Canute. Good afternoon and welcome to the Prairie Eggwire for Tuesday, February 25th. I'm Corey Canute. Coming up today, we'll hear from the President and CEO of the Canadian Canola Growers Association. Today, Glendalee Allen Vossler talks with the President and CEO of the Canadian Canola Growers Association, Rick White, about the impact of the recent rail shipping disruptions for farmers and Canada's reputation. What we wanted to focus in on is the concern that is growing in the ag industry and for farmers regarding the rail shipping disruptions that we're seeing. Talk to us from the canola growers perspective, if you will. These disruptions uh, are varied and they're long-standing, starting with uh, China a year ago with canola and more recently then we had bad weather and bad harvest and all that that farmers have had to deal with. Then a labor strike at CN, which uh, delayed uh, shipments for at least a week. A um, couple of derailments in Saskatchewan, cold weather and uh, unnecessary blockades uh, now recently. And, you know, really that has really set us on a track uh, for delay. Um, and uh, now we see over 50 grain vessels that are waiting to be loaded off the West Coast. That's a direct result of uh, some of these things culminating to where we are today. Um, the merge charges will begin to mount, and they are right now. And uh, there's about 20,000 rail car orders that remain unfilled, and that's a problem. And um, the elevators are starting to fill up, and with all those empty uh, ships waiting, that's customers waiting for their grain. And our reputation as a reliable supplier of grain is once again coming into question and our reputation uh, around the world is being damaged. So this all adds up to a very serious problem for farmers on many fronts, cash flow, economics, reputation, etc. And uh, in particular, these blockades have been very, very disruptive and uh, it's going to take a long time for the railways to try and get caught up, try to regain fluidity, fluidity of their systems 
and get this grain back out to those ships and customers waiting for it. It's going to take a long time to recover, even from short-term one-day blockades are very problematic. Your organization has actually sent a letter to the government, right? Yeah, we did. Uh, last week, we sent a letter uh, to Prime Minister Trudeau uh, calling on the government of Canada to take some decisive action to try to get uh, uh, stem that negative impact effect on farm profitability and con- Canadian competitiveness and reputation. Um, you know, the Prime Minister is the one that needs to deal with this, and uh, we reached out and, and sent a letter to that effect. And what do you think of what has happened since then? We were happy to see that uh, it was taken seriously and, you know, trying to resolve the issues out there regarding the blockades in particular. So that's positive. But uh, at the same time, um, we just cannot, as as an industry, survive this for very long in terms of the disruptions that can happen. So although we're happy that, uh, you know, some, some action has been taken, we're very, very worried that further action could be coming, depending on how things roll out. So we're not out of the woods yet. Do we have an update as far as the situation with China? We don't really uh, have anything new on that other than, um, you know, it's got the full attention of the government, but there are so many things up in the air. Um, And now the coronavirus in China is making it that much more difficult to talk to officials, talk to the uh, regulators over there, and try to continue the conversation because a lot of them are not working or they're working remotely or from home and not in their office. It's very difficult to communicate with China right now because of the coronavirus. So we need to give them a little bit of space for that, but at the same time, uh, we have to keep pushing on them to resolve uh, full market access as soon as we possibly can. But um, it's uh, going to take more time yet, unfortunately. I've been talking with Rick White. Rick is president and CEO of the Canadian Canola Growers Association. For Golden West, I'm Glendalee Allen Vossler. The Canadian Agricultural Human Resource Council says over the next decade, Canada's grain and oilseed industry is expected to see one in four jobs go unfilled due to a lack of available workers. We got the details from Deborah Hauer, Manager of Labour Market Information with CARC. Uh, We've just updated our labour market forecast for the grain and oilseed industry production agriculture in Canada. And uh, we found that uh, 39% of the current grain and oilseed industry, uh, the workforce, is set to retire in the next 10 years. Um, As of 2018, uh, people are unable to find enough workers to work on their farms and as such in that year they reported losses of 594 million dollars so there were uh, shortages of 2000 people across the country so it's not a large number however because the industry is so highly mechanized nowadays each missing body each missing person greatly affects each business when uh, they cannot find enough people to work some farmers uh, do look, uh, well, they look everywhere for, for people. Um, so 
there are uh, certain aspects of the temporary foreign worker program that may be available to people. However, um, for the grain and oilseed industry, it can be expensive and also time-consuming. So that's not an option for everybody. Uh, the difficulty, and sometimes people look to uh, youth exchange programs uh, for people from Australia, New Zealand, and South Africa who may already have experience in driving large machinery who may be a natural fit on grain and oil seed farms. Uh, again, that is also uh, time-consuming as well to locate the right person. Do you guys have any, I guess, recommendations, or what are you um, what are you hoping to see? This uh, report is just to outline what the situation is today and what uh, the outlook is for the future, uh, increasing retirements, and uh, for people to be uh, thinking uh, with their business about um, how, what kind of team that they can put together now that will carry their business into the future. So we do have an agricultural HR toolkit, an online resource that helps uh, employers become uh, the best employers possible uh, so that they can uh, find the right people and keep the people that they have. Um, I heard a phrase the other day that uh, uh, where somebody said uh, the the business with the best team wins and so we need to be thinking about how to get the right people and to keep the people we have. That was Deborah Hauer with the Canadian Agricultural Human Resource Council. That's it for the Prairie Eggwire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share send them to us by email to the farm desk at goldenwestradio.com. On behalf of Glenda Lee Allen Vossler, I'm Corey Knute. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. The Prairie Eggwire will return tomorrow on the Golden West Farm Network. Time now for a look at the farm calendar. The Brookside Angus Bull and Female Sale takes place tomorrow at the Nipah Egg Complex. You can find out more by going to brooksideangus.com. The annual meeting for the Canadian 4-H Museum in Roland takes place tomorrow night at 7 at the Roland United Church. The FCC Young Farmer Summit is set for March 4th at Winnipeg's Victoria Inn. Keystone Agricultural Producers is hosting its Young Farmers Conference March 5th, also at the Winnipeg Victoria Inn. And the Prairie Organics Think Whole Farm 2020 Conference takes place March 5th and 6th at Brandon's Keystone Centre. You're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. Coming up in the next half hour, Keystone Agricultural Producers will join us to talk about a survey they launched recently looking at broadband and cell service across the province. We'll also have another look at our farm news for today. Right now, it's 1 o'clock. Continuing with the Manitoba Farm Journal here on this Tuesday afternoon, Keystone Agricultural Producers has launched a rural connectivity survey aimed at better understanding the issues facing both cellular coverage and broadband access across the province. I found out more from CAP Director Sam Connery-Nickel. It's been part of our discussions for quite a while, the frustrations that arise with having um, poor internet and cell service. So we wanted to launch this survey to have some hard data to be able to take forward when we're lobbying. There's always challenges of lost opportunity when you can't make that phone call at a certain time or if you can't use um, some of the new technology due to not having good enough internet. It's it really, really very dependent on person by person and just how good or poor the service is in a certain area. I know just going from my home yard to the office, there's a huge difference in internet service. 
that's only a couple miles. I know CAP has uh, passed a number of resolutions about this. Um, like you mentioned, I guess the survey is just about getting some some hard numbers to take forward then? or Yeah, and to find out what people's biggest concerns are with not having it. For me, one of my biggest things is the safety aspect. There's certain fields and yard sites where we don't have good self-service. And if I'm calling to check up on family members or employees and they don't answer, you always have that moment of panic of, are they just out of signal service or is something wrong? Did something happen? I spend a lot of time running around checking on people. When it comes to, to cell service and, and, and internet, um, do you find that that has improved over the over recent years or is it still still you know not where it, I guess obviously it's not where it needs to be? Definitely not where we think it should be. I think everyone should have a basic amount that um, everyone should should be able to access for a decent price. The technology is always coming forward and hopefully we're getting more options. But I find not as many of those options are available in rural settings. Uh, where can farmers uh, find this survey? Uh, it has been sent out through our CAP newsletter as well. I believe it's on our website. Um, you can always contact the CAP office if you um, are facing <laughs> internet problems and can't fill it out on your own. Um, but we're actually happy to cast a little bit bigger net even than just Manitoban farmers. We would love to hear from anyone that is in a rural area and um, has these problems with connectivity and wanting to make sure that we have a broad spectrum to pull from our information and make sure that when we go forward to lobby for these, we're speaking on behalf of rural Manitobans in general because it really is an issue for everybody. That was Sam Connery Nickel, a director with Keystone Agricultural Producers. Another look at what's happening in the markets heading into the close is coming up in just a moment. Time now for another look at today's farm news. Harvest loss is a key issue for farmers. Nathan Gregg, formerly with PAMI, says it's important to watch your speed. We can be oblivious that we're throwing so much out the back just because the machine's capable of putting it through. It's not necessarily capable of, of getting all the grain out of it and under all those conditions. So I think, you know, being cautious of how far we push the lever forward and being cautious of how, how we use the horsepower that's available, that's sort of my top two recommendations. He notes the loss monitor can be a key indicator that something has changed, but he recommends producers use a drop pan to get the real story. And the Canadian Federation of Independent Business says the federal carbon tax is costing farmers almost $14,000 in its first year. Marilyn Braun-Poland, CFIB's Vice President of Western Canada in Agribusiness, says the carbon tax is ineffective and punishes farmers with significant costs, making them less profitable and competitive on the world stage. It's clear farmers can't afford any additional costs uh, from a carbon tax. We know they're already dealing with a number of uh, challenges uh, from market access issues to ongoing trade challenges, and now um, the threat of a prolonged rail disruption. So there's a lot of uncertainty that they're already facing. The CFIB has sent a letter to Ottawa urging the federal government to exempt natural gas, propane and aviation fuel used by farmers for drying grain, heating barns and more. I'll be back after this to wrap up today's program. We've come to the end of another Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us by email thefarmdesk at goldenwestradio.com. 
Today's closing numbers with more in-depth commentary on what's happening in the markets is coming up at 10 to 2 on the Markets Farm Program. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. Hope you can join us back here tomorrow starting at 12 noon.